Okay. Hey, students. Um, we are having a wonderful special guest uh, on, on this series of conversations with uh, folks in, in, in marketing and design. Um, my new friend uh, from California, from Los Angeles specifically, uh, this is uh, Athena Lau. Liao. Got it. <laughs> yeah, I caught myself. I'm sorry. Athena Liel. Uh, she is the Senior Manager of Brand Strategy for Mastery of Fitness? Mastery Fitness, yeah. Mastery. Okay. Um, I'm, so it, you can tell like I've been going through a lot of crisis communications today because I'm like just kind of burnt out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, thank, you for, thank you for joining us. And I, I really appreciate the, uh, the time. Uh, that you're giving to to share your sort of wisdom and experiences with with the students at Pitt and uh, Point Park. Yeah. Um, right. So uh, you're the senior manager of brand strategy, and you said you have a kind of an interesting story behind that. Before we get to that, I'm curious how did how did you decide you wanted to get into uh, marketing and, and brand strategy? Where where are your roots? Your humble beginnings. Where do they start? Um, honestly, I didn't have aspirations to to get into marketing um it kind of just happened and okay. I, feel, I feel like that might be a story that's pretty common um for a lot of people is you know when i graduated college personally i didn't really know what i wanted to do at all to be honest um so i just kind of went with the flow <laughs> and my first job out of college was like I was an intern for um, like a sports, sports and entertainment company. So they would put on events and I was sort of just helping them with whatever they needed. And it just happened that that company was very small and had a lot of older people who worked there. And so because I was one of the youngest, they sort of automatically started giving me more things to do in terms of like, digital technology and so handling like the website or social media it kind of just like got put on my plate um okay even though I didn't really specifically want or ask to do that so um yeah my beginnings kind of just it sort of happened and then as I learned more about the industry and realizing how big it truly was um I was able to explore a lot of different avenues within that so like after i was doing sort of digital marketing um for my first job i've also worked in on the advertising side like media buying media planning um and i worked at a social media agency so agencies are i would say a pretty good entry level way to get into the marketing but it is a very tough life so i don't know if i necessarily recommend it <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. and then after that so i did yeah um media planning and buying and then sort of advertising um in the publishing industry um and then after that i went just to, to business school and now i'm doing i'm leaning more on the brand management side and um, yeah, I think one of the things I didn't realize coming into this was that when you say marketing in my head, I thought that it, it just meant, oh, the ads that you run on campaigns that people see. And that was kind of it. Like the, you know, narrow definition of like marketing, um, is that's what I thought. 
And then mm -hmm. I was realizing more and more how it really is kind of a very broad spectrum that starts all the way from like, like building a brand is kind of like the beginning of it. But then it goes through and then of course advertising and like marketing materials is part of it. But then it goes through all the way to like e-commerce strategy and like optimizing your funnel to get more conversions and like leads <laughs> right. that also falls under the marketing person sometimes. So I think especially for students who are looking to get into the industry, there's so many different options that if you kind of just pick one of those things along that broad scale and find um, what is interesting to you, then you kind of can jump around and try a lot of different things. So yeah, I would say, cause even sometimes for me, I'll be like annoyed when it, something that falls under my jurisdiction because we, we already right. have so many responsibilities and I'm like, Oh, I wish like, I don't know. I wish the salespeople would handle this or something like that. Like I think a lot of it is more and more in marketing and sales is kind of Right. really coming together to become one unit and in the past they were very isolated and separate and i feel like that caused a lot of inefficiencies within businesses so mm -hmm. yeah so uh, you you said so many great things there that the first thing i want to focus on is the you you said you got a lot of this advertising social media experience before you went to school and then when you were there uh that augmented and, and grew and expanded um so you came in with some decent experience and then you kind of blew up from there and uh you were able to ultimately enter at this this higher level position um which is exciting because i think that a lot of my students are are thinking about their career trajectory and their growth plan and that first job that they have they may not necessarily see a lot of uh, well, they'll see a lot of skill development, but they'll also learn a lot about themselves with how they handle stress and, you know, interpersonal relationships and things like that. But to your point, they'll also see the full spectrum of the marketing field and the mm -hmm. industry itself, um, at which point they'll have the next several years to really hone in on an interest area yeah. um, and, and focus on that. And sales is such a critical interest area and like you said they are in they are tied together they are intrinsically tied together much mm -hmm. like how marketing and design are really tethered together as well mm -hmm. um so i've been pushing a lot of students to focus on sales as skill development and especially if they have a marketing background or if you're a designer really focus on building in that marketing piece because it's all tied together right and to your again to your point like uh the more you know about the whole spectrum of things the better professional and practitioner you're going to be mm -hmm. exactly. um, so uh and, and you may have said this because you just said like a really like just a ton of awesome shit <laughs> so like i'm trying to parse it out but like uh what were the what were the interest areas that you decided to focus on within that marketing spectrum yeah um so for me personally i kind of always ignored the more sales side of the spectrum because i personally um just my personality i i always felt uncomfortable sort of either being pushy or um 
you know, a lot of the traits that come with being a good salesperson, I just, I feel like I didn't have. And so, and maybe part of it was just fear. Like I'm sure if I practice, I probably could be a good salesperson, but I sort of shied away from that side of it. Um, because for me, I, I sort of always want to be true to myself and be an authentic person. So like I am a really good promoter of products that I really believe in. So sure. I'll always sort of evangelize random things to my friends, just like not that I'm getting paid for it or I'm not an ambassador, but like, so that's the type of sales that I'm good at, but that's not what kind of succeeds in a big company where you have like quotas and stuff. Sure. So I never really had experience or seeked out that side. Um, and as I said, the digital marketing and social media um, side of things, I sort of fell into that. And then, you know, I didn't love it, but it was great to have that experience um, just as, you know, everything's a learning a basis for learning, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and, you know, since these days, social media landscapes are changing so quickly, like, it was great to learn it, but I think like the knowledge I gained may be slightly outdated now anyways. Sure. <laughs> um, so I was really looking for something that was a little bit more stable in terms of, um, and that's one of the reasons why I went to business school too, is like I learned a lot of things that will, you know, stand the tests of time. And like you learn about the, Porter's five forces and all these things that have been taught for like years and right. haven't changed at all. Right. So that's kind of what I wanted to get, um, a better, like a bigger picture of. And then sure. once I took actually a brand management class, um, which I loved so much and I had never done that in a professional sense before. Um, I was, so that's what I was able to pick, I guess, in terms of post-graduation um, my path, um, afterwards was in brand management. And so now I, this is the first time I'm doing that professionally and it's very cool to be on the, the, I guess, beginning end of the marketing spectrum, right. um, where I, you know, the brand was sort of born and I help, I was able to help like create the story and the personality behind it, which was a lot of fun. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so I really liked that side, and I'm still pretty new on in that in brand management in general. So I'll probably try to do this for um, a little longer still, and then I don't know, see what my next. Um, actually, I was going to mention potential next steps. Is I am actually interested in diving more into the um, creative, like creative director side of things, yeah, which is also yeah. very related to marketing, and like so. Um, Cause yeah, you mentioned the design aspect of things and like, I, I don't have a lot of professional experience there, but it's something that I would like to be more involved in in the future because I think a lot of disconnect, this is, that's why I think everything's meshing together is like previously when everyone was in silos, there would always be a lot of disconnect. So like we said, between sales and marketing, there would always be a lot of disconnect. And now that they're working together, it's better. And I think yes. the same applies for design and marketing where marketing professionals maybe in the past wouldn't necessarily understand like how to communicate what they want and, you know, have the vision for, um, and so then that doesn't really help when you give a brief to someone who's in design and they're like, I don't really know what to do with this. So, right. um, 
I've in my current job, I've actually started becoming more involved in the process of like making the creative for mm -hmm. the campaigns or like just organic like posts or whatever on digital um, platforms. And that's been really interesting for me to start to get into that more. Um, because yeah, it is really all connected and you don't like, if you've never worked in it, you don't realize how much work goes into it. So sometimes, you know, I've seen marketing people be super ignorant about like, oh, can you just change this one thing or like make these edits and like, they don't understand that there's a lot of effort that goes into making edits on right. certain creative. Um, so like if you had just, you know, if the plan was more clear from the beginning, then we could have got it right the first time type of thing. And it just makes everything more streamlined. So um, yeah, all these different bubbles are sort of connecting into yeah. one, I think. They're merging. And so one of the things that, that I like about sort of brand what i like about brand management is that the person that's really ultimately managing the brand or the team that is building the brand they understand the heart and soul of it they understand the identity completely and you could actually make the argument that the identity is a composite of all of these personalities combined mm -hmm. and uh it lets you it, it drives the creative it drives communications it drives sales it's a system, right? Um, and the the role of the the brand manager is to understand that system and how all of these different interest areas can either positively or negatively affect that system. So you're the caretaker of of this brand. And to your point, when people want to make changes to communications or designs, and they don't totally understand the identity. Um, then it's easy for them to make those changes because they're relatively careless or at least they're not in, informed. Mm. Um, and I, I deal with that constantly. So, uh, you know, I've run, I've started four different design companies. Um, I'm on my fourth now. Uh, I sold the other three. And um, the, so like the fourth one, it's all based on creative systems, not necessarily design, but creative systems. So mm. what I do is I rebrand communities. So I come into uh, a community uh, that is dealing with either community engagement issues or economic development issues, and I develop a whole new branded platform for them. So here's what your logo looks like. Yeah, we've addressed the, the design aspect, but here's the heart and soul of the community. And here's how you communicate as a government to your people that, that uh -huh. live, work, play, learn, and thrive here. Um, so taking that brand management strategy and applying it to a municipal government is a wild thing, but the two things that they have in common is that they're systems. Mm -hmm. And some systems are very compatible with one another. Um, which makes the work fun. Now, you know, for me, I chose to hone in on, so like design and marketing, the spectrum is so large. For me, I focused in on uh, research-driven, data and analytics-informed branding. Mm -hmm. So I would, go into a, I would go into a community and we would do surveys and focus groups and storytelling sessions and essentially 
the people, the, the, the stakeholders of any given community, they would tell us what they want. So if we give a, a survey to 200 people and they all say, well, we want purple and orange as the colors for our community's logo, then damn it, we'll give them purple and orange, mm -hmm. right? Um, so the community essentially builds this brand themselves and it's mm -hmm. all based on data. So it's really kind of interesting from a scientific sort of aspect how you can take marketing even further. Um, that's what interests me. And, you know, to your point, like you're building a system, you're caring for the brand. And do you think that now that you're, you're managing the, the, this brand for your company and you're putting all of yourself into it and do you think you'll have a hard time walking away from it eventually? Like I built this thing, it's mine, it's me. You know what I mean? Um, no, actually, probably, <laughs> probably not because the brand identity, like the brand personality that we concocted is not based on me at all. Actually, sure. we kind of, we, and I sat down with my boss and we kind of discussed like what, cause ultimately it is like the CEO's decision on what the brand is going to look like. So I think it's actually more maybe an emulation of him a little bit. Um, but we did an exercise that was, you know, like if the brand were a person, what kind of attributes would it have? And, um, we went through that exercise and like, it ended up being not, it's, it's like maybe the values are things that I can stand behind, but the personality sure. and the brand voice are not me. It's like, so whenever I'm doing communications, I kind of have to like get in the zone and kind of pretend like I'm someone else. Um, to channel it correctly. Otherwise, like I've been called out sometimes where they're like, oh, can you edit how you worded this? Because it's very you, but it's <laughs> it's very nice, um, but it doesn't really fit. And I'm like, oh, you're right. Like sometimes mm -hmm. I just forget, you know? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, I'm so glad you mentioned that because like there's a certain point where like if you're, you're arch so you architected a brand with, right. with your team and it's based on the, the user profiles of your demographics and different target audiences and stuff like that. So it's, it, there's a formula to it. There's a science behind it. So I'm, I'm glad that you employ those strategies and it's not like a brand that, that just has aspects of you in it. I think being able to remove yourself and look at it from that, that, uh, objective point of view makes brands better because they're built more strategically. Um, but yeah, sometimes, yeah, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. I was going to no, say, please. and I also think it's better if it's not yourself, because if I leave the company and a new person takes over brand management, they're not going to know what to do because the personality is like gone. Right. So mm -hmm. it's, I think it is good having it sort of be removed from yourself because then, you know, you have to put it in documentation and, somehow put this all on paper so that you can pass it on to other employees in the future. So, right. um, I think that it's, yeah, it's, it's better to not have the brand identity really be tied to the necessarily the person who, who made it because once they leave, you're kind of screwed. Right. <laughs> so, right. Um, well, yeah, exactly. And, um, I'm, I'm just finding this is of interest to me because I'm finding that, that's what's happening. Like 
people aren't necessarily building their brands uh, strategically. They're just kind of doing it organically, especially uh-huh. in the startup scene. Right. I mean, totally. pra- practically all brands, not all brands, but so many brands in the startup scene, be it tech or whatever, they're just an extension of the personality of the, the founders. Right. And I, I get so frustrated with some startups because they're like, we can't, we can't penetrate. We can't break into the market. We're having such a hard time. I'm like, do you ever consider that you're kind of an asshole? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like it takes a, and you might, your company might be perceived that way. So, right. or like you're too much of an introvert. You're not speaking loud enough. And it's like, you have to separate your personality as the founder of a startup uh-huh. and build a fictitious profile right. and, and exactly. do it strategically. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Um, and I, I do enjoy calling s- some startup founders out on their, on their shit there. But uh. <laughs> I think also, especially with startups, um, now that you are talking about that, cause I actually, I didn't, we, I didn't bring this up, but I've, I've co-founded a startup in the past too. Um, okay. And I, I, I totally agree with you. Um, sometimes it is just the founder's personality is emulated as a brand, but, um, Another thing I've noticed is a lot of startups, the, you know, especially when they're younger, the, the founders are younger, they don't really understand or have learned about what branding really is or what a brand, what it means to be a brand. And mm-hmm. so I think I've found that it's difficult to convince them to sort of invest any money or time and effort into proper brand strategy or building, um, building it out in the beginning because they don't think it's important. or don't understand exactly what it is and when you don't understand you don't really you're like okay well why am i going to spend my very like precious dollars towards this thing um so part of it is also maybe just education or lack thereof um of how important it is like i'm the type of person who is a believer in like you, you have to have the brand identity and personality and who you are and the values locked down first before pretty much doing anything else. At least, right. you know, that is what I believe. And people might not agree, but um, I think coming for, from my previous like digital marketing background and then like the path that I went through the school, like this is sort of how I landed here. And so I'm, you know, and I think eventually people do realize how important it is. Um, but it's just difficult in the beginning to really want to invest or spend money on something like that. All money goes towards product development. Yeah. Basically. Cause if yeah. you don't have a viable product, you don't have a company. Um, I think that's sort of the, uh, the, the running philosophy amongst mm-hmm. not all, but many startups. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, switching gears a little bit, what's, what's a typical, uh, work day? like for you give us Um, some practical uh you know experience here what's that like um okay that question might not be great for for me uh (laughs) maybe in like other for other interviewees um because i'm so my i'm currently actually just on contract Um, oh okay okay so i was working full-time with this company up until uh like a couple months like a month or two ago and now I'm, um, I guess part-time. So I'm just contracted to, to help them now with their, um, 
with their brand management and marketing stuff. Okay. Um, and then, yeah. So I have actually been applying to full-time jobs recently, um, ever since I moved part-time. But, you know, with everything happening, like, it hasn't really been looking good. So. <laughs> right. Okay. So you may find yourself in a similar boat to that of, of my, my students. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, in, in in fairness to all involved, like this is a, a really relevant and topical issue. Like these are things that are happening now. And, um, you know, regardless of whether, are you on contract because they've basically figured out what to do like on their own and you just kind of guide them through that? Or are they feeling the hit of an economic collapse on the horizon? It was a little bit of both. Um, yeah. Once I had built everything out, I think it was easier like I guess the um salary maybe like wasn't really warranted and they were like we can't really afford to keep you full-time and we kind of know what we're doing now kind of thing so they basically scaled back my responsibilities with them which I totally like I get it um so because I was there to build it and then kind of once it was built they have sort of all the tools I guess right Um, so I helped put the systems in place. It was kind of like you teach a man to fish and he can feed himself mm-hmm. type of thing. So yeah. um, so that's why I originally went on to um, part-time. And then now with everything that's happening, um, even if they did have more work for me, they probably wouldn't even be able to bring me back anyways. So right. um, it's been, yeah, it's been interesting, but... One thing that I have been trying to do more is, um, especially since everyone is working remotely now, I've been trying to lean more into like independent marketing consulting, um, mm-hmm. which is something I've never done before. But since I, at this point in my life now, I, have, I, I haven't counted, but probably seven or eight years of experience in marketing. So I've, I've been trying to think about maybe going down that route and seeing if I can get any um, traction that way because um, with companies, like a lot of them are on hiring freezes and like not even doing anything. So um, I've been trying to think about, you know, if I can use my skill set and help in like a small way to um, like companies just in a, as a temporary thing or something like that. I haven't really figured it out, but that's sort of how I'm trying to structure things right now, just because everything is so up in the air. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that you kind of inadvertently uh, identified a, a, a need in respect to like what you're experiencing now with, with your position is what so many other people are going to experience if they aren't already. Right. And there's, everyone's on quarantine. Everyone's locked down, right? Um, I can't leave the house. There are people that can't leave their houses, can't go on site to their business or to their job. So what do, what do you do instead? Well, like, I might not have a job to go to necessarily. Some people might be thinking. So if left up, up to their own devices, they have to put food on the table, they have to make money for themselves. Maybe they do start their own companies. So it, yeah. So like if you pursue that independent marketing consultant aspect of things, like in now all of a sudden you have like a large sort of growth and variety of different types of businesses that you can work with, Mm -hmm. uh, which is exciting. Actually, if you think about it, talk about 
take making lemon out of le <laughs> lemonade out of lemons, right? Um, so, you know, I don't know what the, the LA scene looks like for that type of work. I'm sure there's plenty of opportunity. Um, but is it crazy? No, I just said, we'll see. Oh, like, oh you'll see. Well, yeah. what I was actually going to recommend, if I could give you some unsolicited advice, totally. um, is um, you could take advantage of remote work. Like, why can't you work with someone in Boston or Idaho, right? right. Um, Cause eventually if what you're doing is you're building brands, it's like you raise, you, <laughs> you raise this, this bird and then you set it free and it flies off on its own. Like if that is your relationship to business and, and the services that you provide, then just do that. But like a thousand times, <laughs> right? Uh, right? <laughs> um, one of the folks that I interviewed, her name's uh, Deanna Hens. She runs a uh, sassy girl entrepreneur and all she does is help folks like you just kind of find your footing and then mentor you through the, the process of starting a consultancy and then yeah. you're kind of off and running. So cool. I'll, I'll connect you guys together. I think you two would get along pretty well. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So, so you kind of have an atypical day, uh, which is totally fine. And um, you, you've been in the field for about, you said seven or eight years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what other kind of things interest you that, that you could do beyond just brand management? Like you talked um, about like being able to grow into certain areas. What, what interests you? Um, so I mentioned it a little bit before, but definitely getting into the more creative yes. side. Yes. Thank um, you. That was something I'm interested in just because too, like, if I do eventually start my own company, not necessarily like a consultancy, but just a sure. startup since that's ultimately my passion is truly to be an entrepreneur. So, um, if I do have my own company, then, you know, designers are expensive. So if I have some sort of skill, like maybe I won't design the thing myself, but if I have sure. enough skills to where I can sort of get by to a certain level before I need to hand it over, I think that'll be really helpful. Mm -hmm. And, and like we mentioned, there is sometimes a lot of things that are lost in translation in terms of like portraying the brand in a certain way and stuff. And I think that if it's just all me and the same person, then that would make it a lot easier. Um, yeah. so, so creative create, direction, right? Yeah. Like, like almost like production too. Like if there's like videos or something that I need to make in terms of like content creation, like mm -hmm. that seems really fun to me. And it's a side of marketing that I've never, um, done. Another thing is, and this is sort of not really related to marketing, but sure. now that everyone's on quarantine, we've like, I've, I'm sure you've seen too, like a lot of chatter about like, oh, what are you doing to like expand your skill set? So I've been thinking like for online classes or something, like maybe I can sign up to learn how to code because that's something I've oh, sure. zero knowledge of. <laughs> and it yeah. just might be interesting, but um, yeah. I just think that that could be a really useful skill set, but we'll see how well, that goes. <laughs> useful and complementary. So, right. you know, you, you've got the business and the marketing and brand management locked down. You know, you could explore coding, you can explore design. Essentially what, what you're describing is the mythical unicorn, right? <laughs> uh, the mythical unicorn employee or, or 
professional that can do all of these different things. Totally. Right. So, so for example, like, you know, I, I'm a trained graph designer. I have three degrees in design. I can write, I can do the marketing, I can do the branding and I can code and build websites and I can do sales and all of those things. That's and, awesome. and well, you know, it, it didn't happen overnight. And like, I had to teach myself a lot of those things. So like learning, uh, learning online, especially in periods of downtime, it's, that's like the best time to do it. Because mm -hmm. when else are you going to? Like when you have a job, you come home from the, yeah. at, at the end of the day, you're burnt out and tired. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's not going to happen. So, no, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, and you know, it's interesting. I'm interested in seeing what other people that are in like maybe a similar position to you or I, uh, are doing in the startup space, like what kind of collaborations could be had there? It'll it'll be interesting to see how long this sort of lockdown lasts over. I right. mean, over the long period of time, and see what kind of companies kind of spin out of it as a result. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people are making the jokes like, "Oh, nine months from now, you know, there will be a huge boom of of babies, and the whole <laughs> new generation is born before our eyes." It's like. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. All right. Whatever. That's, that's the same. I honestly same. didn't even think about that. Oh, you <laughs> well, maybe I'm thinking about it. Cause like I've got a four year old and, uh, oh. all of my friends are, have young children and mm -hmm. you know, they're like, yeah, you laugh now, but wait until you've got a kitty, you know, nine months from now. Right. Um, so, but you know, on an objective point of view, like maybe we are witnessing like the, perhaps the birth of this next generation. You know what they're actually calling kids that are born now? I think they're calling them like boomlets. Boomlets. Boom yeah. Have you heard this? That's no. ridiculous. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a terrible name. Millennials and then Xennials and then boomlets. I don't I know don't like why. That. I don't know. I don't, I don't like it either. Uh, but I think, you're right. The next generation definitely, you know, like, I don't know if you saw this, there was some link um, that was floating around. I saw on LinkedIn, that was a speech from Bill Gates from 2015. And he, if you haven't seen it, I can send it to you, but he was um, giving a speech about like, Oh, you know, the next disaster that kills all the people on earth, it's not going to be the next war. It's going to be an epidemic. And so like, it's crazy. Everyone was like, wow, he was totally right. And um, so I think like going forward, now that this is happening, the next generation is going to be raised to care about different things, which I love. And like, God, I hope so. Like, because let's be real. I feel like the world that we were living in before all this happened was like, it was okay, but there were still a lot of problems. And um, I, I just always felt that people weren't necessarily valuing um, the right things. For example, me personally, like I'm, I really care a lot about the environment. And mm -hmm. um, so I think that like coming out of this, people are going to obviously care a lot more about preparedness for certain disasters like this. And like, they're going to care a lot more about investing in like proper health systems and things like right. that. Like, I feel like we're very neglected before. Yeah. And, and then hopefully they'll also still care about saving the planet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I, I think what this pandemic is proving is that how much we actually need the things that we say we we need, but are being shot down because of the administration and other factors. Right. 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 So, you know, I, and you're starting to see it now. And that's in the startup culture. So, for example, 
um, there's a uh, there's a company called Savvy. They're they're a B corporation. So there's mm-hmm. going to be more of those too. Are you familiar with B corps? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, for those paying attention, a B corp is a benefit corporation, and I liken that to being uh, it, it's a it's a for profit company, but it hues as close to being a nonprofit in mission as you can get. So you can you don't have to prioritize profits over mission. Um, you can kind of be balanced. And uh, so Savvy is this uh, B Corp that works with uh, Tiacref, which is a retirement account brokerage firm. And they basically say like, we exist because the problems related to student loan repayment hasn't been solved yet. Mm-hmm. So I think their, their market position is like, or their mission, whatever, is we know that there's public service loan forgiveness, but the federal government is not really approving anyone for it. So we are going to make a company and we're not only going to train you how to do it right, but we're going to manage your accounts for you. So that's kind of how they turn, they, they generate revenue. Mm -hmm. Um, in so doing at a certain point, their, their clientele will stop because if they do their job right, their clientele will have no longer have student loans to pay off. Right. Right. So you could take a similar model to that and apply it to uh, practically anything, the environment, food deserts, um, any sort of human centered challenge, uh, even like recycling, you know, it's kind of, I don't know about you, but like they just stopped glass recycling in my community because yeah, glass recycling because uh, ultimately it's because China is not buying it. Right. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah. It's, it's because China's not buying it, but what they're at, what they're staying states stateside is the glass is too dirty. Right. Okay. Well, what do we have to do to get someone to invent a technology that completely cleans glass? Yeah. Last I checked, we have we have the technology, right? right. Uh, and I'm oversimplifying things, but you know, just this experience that we're going through now, I think to your point, people are going to be looking at the fine details. Mm-hmm. They're going to be looking at what they need and what we are actually capable of creating and serving and creating those companies. And they won't necessarily be for profits; they'll be B corporations, right? You know. And that's, that's kind of how it should be, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, I, when you were saying, like, um, the definition of V Corp is that you don't have to put profits first, and, like, so, like a lot of the focus is, is more on giving back and things like that, or purpose. Like, profits meet purpose is always right. the, is the battle. And, like, um, I, and I feel like we're in the same boat, but, like, every, I think that every business shouldn't have to put profits first. Like, even the, you know... Even if you're a for-profit business and you're not a B Corp, and like that's a trend that I've noticed is starting to gain a little bit of traction, is normal companies that are for-profit are starting to be more sort of aware of what they can do on the purpose side, Um, which is really nice to see, but it should have been like that anyway, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. It should have been that from the very beginning. And, yeah. you know, I think it was Tom shoes that was the sort of leader 
in in that conversion. I think Ben and Jerry's is also a B. Either isn't oh, is so. a B. Yeah, I think they're a B Corp. So like there there's proof that there are a lot of companies out there that have the B Corp standard, um, and they're incredibly profitable. You know, and the the interesting thing about this is that B Corps aren't legal in all states, right? Really? Yeah, they are not recognized in Ohio, for example. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so my company is, I'm in Pittsburgh. My company is Pennsylvania-based. Pennsylvania recognizes B Corps, but my lawyers are in Ohio. Oh. Right? They're the ones that did all the incorporation paperwork. And, Uh um... So they were like, what's a B Corp? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. They're like, we're going to have to get one of our attorneys that's licensed in Pennsylvania to do this. I'm like, okay, yeah. fine. Right. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's interesting. So like, I'm sure California recognizes B Corps. You can mm-hmm. start one there, but Ohio doesn't. So you're going to see it. Like if there's a growth in people that want to make B corporations, they may move out of the state and then damage the state's economic capabilities right. because they won't recognize this business entity type mm-hmm. that doesn't really do anything. It's just an LLC. You know, right. I think, I don't even think that there's IRS, uh, uh, necessarily IRS obligations other than just paying your taxes like you would a regular company. Mm-hmm. But um, it's the fact that B Corp is a marketable aspect. Um, and yeah. because it's marketable, it holds a company to actually uh, walking the walk and talking the talk, yeah. especially when they're human-centered. My fourth company, Plus Public, um, is a B corporation. So, awesome. yeah, so we're rebranding these companies and then we, or, I'm sorry, rebranding these communities and then we're also giving back additional value through donations, whatever. But um, at any rate, we're, we're running low on time. So I wanted to ask you um, for my marketing and design students that are getting ready to graduate, what advice do you have for them? I'll have to think carefully about this because I feel like uh, given the current economic situation, okay, it's going to be difficult, but um, what, what if I rephrase a question? What are things you wanted to hear <laughs> when you were ready to graduate? From college? Um, to be honest, I think the focus really, you know, no matter what's happening in the world, the most valuable thing that I found is truly, like, I don't know, uh, I feel like a lot of 20-something-year-olds don't spend enough time on focusing on yourself and, like, inner reflection so what I found that helped a lot for me over the years is um, <laughs> like really learning about what I, what I like to do or what I find challenging, how I, does my personality react a certain way to stress compared, differently compared to other people? And like, you know, especially when you can't choose who your coworkers are, there's always going to be um, inter-office like politics or drama maybe. And it's difficult to navigate um, different types of people and things like that. And I feel like more than what your role, your title ends up being, um, because, you know, the thing that's consistent across being a professional is like the work that you do is always going to probably be around other people. Right. So Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do 
after graduation. And so you guys are already like a step above me from there. But um, I think that what was really underrated was the self-exploration and like really like taking time to think about, you know, how, how you're going to react in certain situations and communication too is another thing that I think is underrated is once you enter the workforce, it's a whole, you know, another beast of, it's like, you can't really talk like you're just talking to your friends. And right. so, um, yeah, I think it's self-reflection and just really truly finding what you, things that you enjoy or don't enjoy and that can help sort of form your path um, has been helpful. I don't know if that's, if that's a good answer, but. No, and it, it, it's a great answer and it's not the first time I've heard that, which means <laughs> it's really important. Um, you know, again, like I'm going to have students that are just going to try to find like an entry level job and try to be satisfied with that. And ultimately like an entry level job, it's like, you're not going to be there for 30 years. You're not going to be your parents because you have so many more opportunities ahead of you on top of the fact that if you're introspective and you listen to yourself and really take a, a another look or a different angle on what you're experiencing on the daily, um, you're going to make yourself make a better career and life for yourself. And it really starts with what makes you happy. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like it yeah. took me a long time to realize that, but truly I, I'm now at the point where I, I realized that I could honestly get any job doing anything. And what matters more to me is like, you just, you really need to find what you're passionate about. And if you care about the company or like align with the values, um, I could be picking tomatoes on a tomato farm. Like I don't really care. And mm -hmm. as long as like, you know, there's a good mix, like maybe I don't care about the values as much, but maybe the people I work with are amazing or like it's a great, um, company culture and things right. like that. So you really just have to weigh what matters the most to you. And it, I think that really the job function or job description is the less important thing. And, you know, even if it ends up being a job that maybe you don't like end up like picking tomatoes and you're like, I hate this, but everything in life is a learning experience. And so the positive that comes out of it is now you've learned from this job that maybe you didn't like, and you can apply that going forward to whatever potential next job. So, um, I'm always in the mindset nowadays where there isn't really a negative like how you define negative is up to you, right? So mm -hmm. if something happens, it's kind of in your own mindset to be able to frame it as a positive. And so if, right. something, if something happens that you, you dislike, then you can always say, well, at least from this that I've learned a lot of other things or have a lot of takeaways um, in my arsenal now, so. Absolutely, glass half full. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we'll go ahead and end it there. If my students are interested in, in learning more about you uh, or reaching out, what would be a good, what do you want to hype? What do you want to promote? Anything? Uh, how, can they, how, the, how can they get a hold of you or learn more about what you're doing? LinkedIn? Um, you can give them, I can, you have my email address now, right? Yes. You can give them that. I don't mind. Cool. Um, okay. And then... I guess if they want to see other stuff that I've worked on, you can, I can send you my LinkedIn uh, page. Okay. And Great. They can look there. Well, yeah. uh, thank you, Athena. I really appreciate your time. This was great. Um, and uh, enjoy the rest of your night and I'll stop the recording. Okay. <laughs>